Stevie never sounded that good, let me just tell you. No, no, he didn't. He couldn't. No. <laughs> Uh, for the uninformed and the too young, Stevie Wonder made that song popular many years ago. So uh, anyway, just to let you know that. Um, I'm going to introduce a phrase to you that has to do with what we've seen concerning the curse of the babe and what we're going to talk about right now. And here's the phrase right now. A false conception of causation. Now I say, oh, that's kind of a weird way of saying that. It's not, those aren't my words. I'll show you where they came from in just a moment. But just think about that. A false conception of causation. Is that why the Red Sox didn't win a World Series until last year? Um, I, need to be, I need to be a little better sport for my Red Sox friends, okay? Is that why? I don't think so. And, you don't, and, and really, let's, let's talk about that for a moment, all right? I want to give you some things to just think about. I'm going to give you some thoughts. I like to do this. Those of you who come regularly know this, and if you're visiting, I just, this is one of the things I like to do, is just give some of the thoughts from thinkers and, and authors and, and people from past generations and current as well that kind of have to do with this. Here's what I want you to think about. I'm just going to introduce this thought to you right now and kind of expand upon it as we move through this thing, and that is this. There's a lot that happens in the name of faith or religion, or whatever you want to call it. I'm going to call it authentic faith in a moment, all right? There's a lot that happens that is nothing more than superstition. And and that's where I'm going to probably tick a few of you off this morning. In fact, in a moment here, I'm going to go through ten things that are probably going to just tick every one of you off at some point. Just hang in there with me, okay? That's not my purpose, although it doesn't bother me too much. But... um, just, just stay with me, all right? Just hang with me on this one. Let me first of all show you one of my great friends. Never met him, but he's a friend. Chesterton. Lived in the 1800s. Great writer and, and playwright and preacher and a bunch of things. A true, quote-unquote, renaissance man. Um, G.K. Chesterton said this, Let your religion be less of a theory and more of a love affair. I just can't say it any better than that. Another playwright uh, different pronunciations of his name, Inge. He said it this way, William R. Inge. To become a popular religion, it is only necessary for a superstition to enslave a philosophy. That's an interesting thought. Not particularly a man of faith. Actually, he died a tragic death, committed suicide. He wrote the uh, play, the play uh, Picnic, as well as some others. But that's an interesting thought. To become a popular religion, it is only necessary for a superstition to enslave a philosophy. It's an interesting thought. And whatever you might think of him, Carl Sagan said this, and this is, this is worth reading carefully. I worry that especially as the millennium edges nearer, pseudoscience and superstition will seem year by year more tempting, the siren song of unreason more sonorous and attractive. The siren song of unreason more attractive basically, what he's talking about. And you know, don't agree with everything Sagan ever said, but I'll tell you, that's a, that's a pretty strong statement. It's a pretty good one, too. Here's where we want to go with this. Let me just show you the definition of superstition, and maybe you'll, some of these things will start to kind of ring true here for you. This is the definition, all right? Uh, a belief or practice resulting from ignorance, fear of the unknown, trust in magic or chance, or a false conception of causation. An irrational, abject attitude of mind toward the supernatural nature or God resulting 
from superstition. Again, back to my premise. Much, and I mean much, that happens in the name of authentic faith often either is or becomes superstition. Let me show you some things. And I told you I had a list of ten things. These aren't particularly funny things, but um, there's just things that I've made, made, have made observations about over the years from myself and from friends and family and, and wherever else I picked them up. And just, just you know, if I, if, I, if I tick you off a little bit, just stay tuned, okay? Don't, don't just write me off. Look, give me a chance, all right? Because I think when I, get, when I get through with this, I, I'm going to make some positive comments about each one of these things just to kind of set you off there. Ten things that we get superstitious about. Here they are. Um, and I don't have these for you. I'm just going to go through these very quickly because I knew they would be changing. One would be saying the rosary. Some of you come from that kind of a background where you say the rosary. You say the rosary so many times. And, and you think, well, if I say it so many times, you know, good things will happen. Oftentimes, that can become nothing more than superstition. Some, some would say, here's one. How about praying before meals? Got to pray before meals. Is there anything wrong with saying the rosary or praying before meals? Nothing wrong with that at all. We do it. But is it just a superstition? Well, you got to kind of pray. You got to pray. We're going to eat. That's just part of the deal. You got to pray before we eat. It can become a superstition. Um, um, how about this one? Never. This is you wouldn't hear this too many times, and I don't like saying it, but never missing church. How about that one? Now, don't test me on this, okay? Um, I like you being here, okay? But some people think if I miss church, bad things will happen. That, is, that has become a superstition for some people. Let me assure you, that is not that we, we want you here every Sunday. I want you here every Sunday. I want you here as much as I am. That's not going to happen, okay? I understand that. But the point is this. Sometimes you miss church. Does that mean it's a, you know, sometimes you might have something better to do. Not often, but sometimes you might. Particularly as it pertains to family and, and things like that, there are things more important. There really are. You need to hear that. Okay? But whatever, what else you need to hear is this. It's not a thing. If you miss church, bad things will happen. That's just not true. Do you need to be in church? I think you do. I think you need to be in a house of faith where you can receive sustenance for living and sustenance for, for your, your, hopefully, to either deepen your, your, relationship with God or just to seek a relationship with God, whatever, wherever you may be in all that. But uh, don't, don't treat it as a superstition. How about this? Here's a, here's a good one for some church. Some people think you have to lift your hands while you're singing. I have friends like that. And, uh, and that's, that's fine. They take that from Psalms and some other passages that say, you know, sing to God and lift your hands and so forth. But for some, it's become a superstition. They don't think they can sing without lifting their hands. Um, having to take communion. We believe in communion. We'll have communion here tonight, as we do every second Sunday, uh, on, on Sunday evening. I uh, think, it's think it's an important part of, what, what, uh, of the elements and of, 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 of relationship with God and commemorating and remembering and, and so forth, his, uh, Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. But for some people, it's just a superstition thing. Well, I've got to have communion. got to have communion, or bad things will happen to me. No. How about this one? Church membership. That's a real... Really fun one, isn't it? Um, by the way, in case you're wondering, I have to say this from time to time, we don't have church membership. And there's a lot of reasons for that. A lot of it is quirky, and a lot of it is, is just, if you come here, you're, you're one of us. You know, you have membership at, at golf clubs and country clubs, and, and that's, there's for a purpose for that. And I'm, I support that. And I've been members, a member of some of those places. And, and, and I'll tell you why you do that. Some of you guys, you know, may not know that. But, you know, 
Because you just don't want anybody coming playing golf at your club. You know, some of these guys look like they walked out of, you know, the backwoods of Alabama where I've been. And you're thinking, oh, you know, and, and, and you don't want them, you know, is there anything wrong with that? Well, there's lots of whole, when it comes to golf, and that's a little sacred type of thing. That's a little different deal. Okay. <laughs> Church, everybody's welcome, not the golf course, okay? Let's just be real honest about that. <laughs> um, there's a reason for that. And social clubs, country clubs, whatever, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that, unless there's somebody being bigoted or whatever, and that's a different, that's a different thing. But in church, everybody should be welcome. And, and they shouldn't be, well, are you a member or are you not a member? You know, there's really only one, there's only one membership that counts, and that's God's. Not, not this church or any other church. Um, so it's just like, wh- where does things start from? Well, it started because it was an effective way of raising money and, and some other stuff, and it's just, I think it's a superstition, frankly. Um, is there, are there good reasons for it? Yes, there are. Not good enough for us to do it, but there, there's, I'm not being critical of those who do it for the right reasons, okay? And that's fine. Um, giving money. I hate, I hate to tell you this story, but I'm going to. And here's the reason I hate to tell you this story, because I've got to talk about my grandpa. And my grandpa, long has since passed away, and I believe is, is with, with God. And I love my grandpa. But this is one of the sides of my grandpa. You know, you understand my grandpa. He used to lecture me as to why. He was just a great man of faith. In fact, my brother and I are still, are still bickering in a, in a good way right now over the one rocking chair that neither one of our wives want, but we want, because... Because it's an ugly old rocking chair, but it's a rocking chair my grandpa used to lecture us out of. It just kind of has a special significance to us. And he used to lecture me constantly on the King James Bible and why that was the only Bible you should ever read, the King James Bible. And when I started studying for the ministry and I started reading and I started studying Greek and started studying the manuscripts and so forth, I went to him. I was stupid, but I went to him one time. I said, hey, Grandpa, do you understand there's a Masoretic text and there's a Greek text and there's a majority text and there's a Textus Receptus? And, and I'm going through all this stuff. And, this, you know, bless him, he didn't have a high school education. He was a farmer all of his life. And I'm sitting there trying to explain to him the nuances of the Greek and the Hebrew text. And my dad was looking at me like, you know, you are really an idiot, Rich. You know, and I'm like... <laughs> Yeah, this, this, this is going the wrong way. Anyway, we gave up on that one. But there was another thing that he used to do. And again, I hate to say it because I love him so much, but this was just one of those things I remember so vividly as a young man. He used to believe you had to give 10% to the church, period. Uh, and I never did, you know, whether that was net or gross, I don't know. Um, but had, and, and here's what he said to me one time, and this is where the superstition gets in, Okay. He would say, if I don't give 10%, I believe God will get it some other way. There'll be sickness or whatever, and I'll have to give, you know, I'll have to pay medical bills. If I don't. God love Grandpa, but that's just, that's superstition. Do I think 10%? I think you should give 50% if you can, you know? Are we an endowed church? No. Am I, do we take an offering? No. But that's not because we're not, all that kind of stuff. That's not that I don't think should, that we don't have needs or that money shouldn't be given to, to churches and other things like that. I don't, I'm not saying that at all. But not for that reason. That's why I've said many times from here, we, have, we don't take an offering. We have an offering box in the back or an offering basket. But give if, if, if you, if you want to give. And somebody says, well, if I don't want to give, well, don't give. You know? And the Bible talks about that. I've mentioned that before. The Bible says, God loves a cheerful giver. If you can give with your heart and you say, I'm really into this. I really like what they're doing. That's great. 
But if it makes you cringe when everybody talks about money, then that's a good sign you probably shouldn't give. The point being that some people give out of superstition because they're afraid if they don't give, bad things will happen to you. That's the wrong reason. Don't do it for that reason, here or anywhere else. Don't do that. It's not a good thing. Um, what else? Being baptized. That's another thing. Is that, do we believe in baptism? Yeah, we do. We had a baptismal service just a couple of months ago. Got another one being planned. Do we believe in baptism? Do we believe in child baptism? Yeah, we believe in all of those things. But again, is it just one of those things that we got to do? Because if we don't, that's bad. Is it just become a superstition? There's a lot of other things. Praying certain kind of prayers, making the cross when you pray. Nothing wrong with that. But if you think you have to do this for God to hear your prayers, it's become a superstition. If, on the other hand, you, you, you make the cross and or you pray a certain kind of prayer or you pray the rosary or whatever it is, and it comes from your heart and you mean it, hey, more power to you. That's terrific. That was the original reason that was all started in many cases. So you understand the whole point here, I hope. Any one of these things that I've mentioned are fine, done the right way with the right motivation. But just a little tweak here and a little tweak here, and all of a sudden, something that can be very good and really enhance a person's relationship with God can instead become just going through the motions and become a superstition. And that's not good. And that's not what God wants. And that's not going to help you. So let me give you this. I want to get into these things. I want to give you what I call um, three basic uh, things. I'm going to show them to you. When does, authentic be, when does authentic faith become superstitious? That's what, or a superstition. That's what I want to talk about just for a moment here. And I'm going to give you three rhetorical questions. Just think about them, and then I'm going to take you to some Bible verses and just show you what the Bible says, and then, uh, and then we're out of here, all right? But I want, I want you to see this. When does authentic faith become superstition? Number one, is there reality? Is there reality? Does this make sense? Is this meaningful? Does this touch the inner person? Or is it just some external hoo-ha, okay? It's a good word, isn't it? Just some external hoo-ha that I just go through the motions. God's not pleased by people just going through the motions. I'm going to show you that in a moment. I wouldn't say that if I didn't have the authority of the Bible to back me up. He's not interested in people just going through the motions and and saying certain words or, or doing certain things. Is there reality? Does it touch the inner person? That's the that's the first thing. Second thing. Is there relevance? Does it affect? Here's the, here's, the, here's the question. I've always asked myself, ever since I started studying for the ministry almost 30 years ago when I first started um, uh, in, in school, the question I always ask myself, and particularly as I would approach a study that I was going to be presenting or a talk I was going to be presenting, the question I always ask, what difference is it going to make on Monday morning? And that's really what we're talking about when we talk about relevance. What difference is it going to make tomorrow morning? I mean, I can tell you some great platitudes and so forth and so on now and maybe make you feel good and so forth and so on. But what, if it doesn't help you on Monday morning or on Tuesday or whenever, um, then it's not relevant. And I, my understanding of the Bible and of what I know of God and so forth, it's, relevance is key. Religion or, or, or faith, better said, authentic faith, um, that is strictly outward and never touches the inner person. It's just a superstition. It's just like the curse of the babe. might be fun to talk about. But is it really real? No, it's not. Third thing. 
Is there a relationship? The whole point of authentic faith is so that man can have a relationship with his creator, God. That's the whole point. It's not just to come and say a bunch of how nows and oh gods and, 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 and help me and, 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 and all those kinds of things. It's to have a relationship with God. And that, that's the whole deal here. Not just to go to some house of faith and go through the motions or, or just be plain bored, you know. We used to have this thing in this church that I was raised in. Well, there were a couple of churches. We moved a little bit, and, and this one church. There's this traditional thing in church, in Protestant churches at least. Some of you may not know about this. They call it the pastoral prayer. Now, it has its roots, and it's, it's got very good roots. It's, it's, it comes really out of the, out of the church history as, as the pastor, quote-unquote, praying over the people. That's the, the, how it sort of the history of that whole thing. And the pastoral prayer in, in most, and a lot, of, a lot of people have kind of dropped them now because they really have, in most cases, have lost their relevance, although there's nothing wrong with praying, and there's nothing wrong with praying for, for people. I do, it when I'm, I do it when I'm running. You know, if you want to know the truth, I think of many of you. You know how you, when, you're, when you're exercising, you think of everything in the world but what you're supposed to be doing, which, of course, is jogging. And, uh, um, and I, I, I just think of faces, a lot of your faces, flashing in front of my mind. As I'm, and I just say, God, I don't know what they're doing. Just help them, help them wherever they are. Um, so, I mean, there's nothing wrong with praying, and we should do that. But this pastoral prayer, I mean, let me make my story. Pastoral prayer, I love this pastoral prayer. You know why, don't you? Because my mom and dad were pretty pretty strict. And whenever I would kind of doze a little bit in church, which would be frequent, um, you know, I'd get the old elbow, you know, you know, and, and usually sometimes it'd be passed down through my brother and somebody else. And, you know, you know, I don't know why they did it because everybody in the whole freaking church knew I was there in sleep. And just, but anyway, the pastoral prayer, everybody has to bow and close their eyes, baby. Boy, this is great. Because you know what Rich is doing, don't you? He's checking out. I have no idea what he prayed about. <laughs> and sometimes those prayers would go for 15, 20 minutes, and I'm thinking, keep going, keep going. You know? <laughs> no idea what he's praying about. But, and I'm sure he was sincere. Now I'm not making fun. Uh, I'm trying not to make fun. But, but, but the point being this, is that what it's all supposed to be about? That's not what God intended. And I want to show you that. So... Again, don't go beat up on any pastors that you know that, that have pastoral prayers. Hopefully they're meaningful and so forth. Is there a reality? Is there, is there relevance? Is there a relationship with the Creator, which is the purpose of authentic faith? Now, let me show you these. I want to get through these very quickly because these are just really good. The Bible is very clear about this. Some of these, if you've been coming for a while, I've used a couple of these a few times. I just, they're just great passages from the Bible. First one comes from the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 29. And the Lord says, so the Lord says, these people, these people say they are mine. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far away. And their worship of me amounts to nothing more than human laws learned by rote. Wow. The Bible, right there. God's saying, hey, I don't need that. I don't want that. That's just, just going through the motions. Not interested in that. Jesus talks about this in Matthew. Look what Jesus says. Chapter 6, verse 5, and now about prayer. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who, who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I assure you that is all their reward they will ever get. 
But when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you. Pray to your Father secretly. Then your Father who knows all secrets will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are only answered. Look at this. They think their prayers are are, are answered only by the repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them. Because your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. So you don't have to pray. Just, just what he's saying is just express your heart to God. It may be in a conversation. It may be in a talk. Just talking to God, saying, God, needing some help here. Driving down the road, and I'm thinking about this deal that's about ready to come crashing down around me, and I need some, I need some strength. I need some patience. I need some wisdom. Driving home, taking the train home, seeing my wife or my husband, Lord, things weren't really well last time we saw each other and help me to know what to say or what not to say. Those are, those are heartfelt, honest prayers that God honors. One other passage from Colossians, one of my favorite passages, Colossians chapter 2. Don't tolerate people who try to run your life. Oh, this is so good. Ordering you to bow and scrape, insisting that you join their obsession with angels and that you seek out visions. This is written in 66 AD, people. Isn't that amazing? This is amazing stuff. They're they're a lot of hot air. That's all they are. They're completely out of touch with the source of life, Christ, who puts together in one piece, whose very breath and blood flow through us. He is the head and we are the body. We can grow up healthy in God only as He nourishes us. So then, if with Christ you've put all that pretentiousness and infantile religion behind you, why do you let yourselves be bullied by it? Don't touch this. Don't taste that. Don't go near this. Do you think things that are here today and gone tomorrow are worth that kind of attention? Such things sound impressive if said in a deep enough voice. They even give the illusion of being pious and humble and ascetic, but they're just another way of showing off, making yourself look important, which so often is what religion has become. Is there reality? Is there relevance? Is there a relationship? Now, I want to show you, and I'd be amiss if I didn't do this very quickly. Here's the real problem. You need to hear this. Here's the real problem. The real problem happens because then, because of these substitutes, I call them, these little things that maybe, ha- that, that, that not maybe, that have good motivations behind them, all those things that I talked about, and good reasoning and good, good sound, heartfelt uh, faith behind them become superstitions. And then they become what I call sort of an inoculation or a vaccination. Let me show you the definition of this, of a vaccination, because this is pretty good. It's the process of administering a weakened form of a disease to patients as a means of giving them immunity to a more serious form of the disease. Now, just think about that for a moment. Use that as a metaphor and think about that in terms of faith. In other words, it's getting a little touch of something that keeps you from getting something more thoroughly and completely. So many times, that's what happens to us in church, in religion. Not just in places and houses of faith, but in a relationship that was supposed to be with our Creator that becomes just a religion, just an external deal. 
and we just get a little bit of that and we go through the motions and we think, that, that, that fixed me. I got enough. And what it does, it keeps us from really getting the real deal, which is a relationship with God, which we don't even talk about that much in many of those kind of situations. I mean, that's, that's, that's the thing. We picked up something that's become an integral part of faith. It's now nothing more than a superstition. Nothing more than, than a curse of the babe. There's no reality. There's no re- relevance. There's no relationship with God. They are, as a result, ineffective. And they lack authenticity. And then people blame the church. Well, I went there, and, and it, really, it really didn't help me. Well, it didn't. They're not lying. They're telling the truth. But the, the problem is, is because you get hung up on one little element, one little thing that becomes a, a mindless, repeated thing that you do and not something in which you come to God with your heart. Not just here, I hope, but on a daily basis. You come to God with your heart. Say, oh, here I am again, God. <laughs> I'm a needy guy. And I need strength and help and love and compassion Kindness and all the things I'm going to need today. That's the relationship with God. Think about it in your own life. Don't go for the superstitions. Go for the reality of what it means to have relevance, reality, and a relationship with God. Let's pray. Lord, these are, uh, these are such important truths that we just, we don't want to miss them. And, and Lord, you know, I don't. You know each heart here. You know each person intimately. You know what, what they, what's going through and they know their, their heart and their mind. Some of us here, Lord, have been through things where we've just, sort of, we've just sort of hung on to things that have become superstitions and that's become a part of our faith and to the point where it's really not faith anymore. It's just going through the motions. Help us to see that, Lord. Help us to see it and understand that and recognize it's not wrong to pray. It's not wrong to, to do some of these things that we talked about. But it's meaningless if it's not done with a heart and our mind centered on the focus of who we are about, which is a relationship with you, God. We thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for this time together. Just pray as we leave that we would think through some of these things and, and uh, allow changes to take place in our heart and in our mind, in our attitude, and in our lives. Lord, we thank you for that, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.